Exodus chapter 10, we'll read verses 1 through 20. Give everybody a second to find it. This is the eighth of the ten plagues that God is going to bring on, uh, on Egypt as he's trying to get Pharaoh to let his people go. Exodus chapter 10, verse 1. When you get it, say, got it. All right. That's always good to hear a lot of got it's. Let's pray, and then we'll jump in. Father God, I come to you tonight, and I pray that you just would let your word speak to us tonight. I pray that you help us to, to get something from this, dear Lord. I pray that the Holy Spirit would speak through me, and I pray, God, that we understand what's going on in this, and I pray that you would help us to to learn from Pharaoh's mistakes, to learn from his hard-heartedness, dear Lord. And I pray that you help us not to, not to give in to the same mistakes that he does, dear Lord, to, to, to ignore you and to be disobedient to you, God. And I pray that you would forgive me for the times in my life that I do that and have done that, dear Lord. And I pray that you just would restore me from, from those times, dear Lord, that you just would forgive me even tonight, dear Lord. Lay down my pride and let the Holy Spirit just speak to me in these verses and speak to each one of us. In Jesus' name I pray it. Amen. Verse 1. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go to Pharaoh, for I have hardened his heart and the hearts of his officials, so that I may do these miraculous signs of mine among them, and so that you may tell your sons and grandson, or excuse me, your son and grandson, how severely I dealt with the Egyptians and performed miraculous signs among them, and you will know that I am Yahweh. So here we see that same language here. It says that that God hardened Pharaoh's heart. And again, that's a tough thing for us to wrap our head around. It would almost seem as though Pharaoh doesn't have a choice in the matter, that he's just an innocent bystander that God has decided to, to pick on. But, but I believe that that is far from the truth. I believe that we see very clearly that Pharaoh has hardened his own heart. That Pharaoh started the process and God is just continuing on what Pharaoh has already started. So God is not being an unfair God here. And we see this phrase repeated a lot. And we've seen it that God had hardened Pharaoh's heart. But I believe that that hardening came from Pharaoh hardening his heart and God just simply uh, stating what was already taking place. And he says, look, Moses, look at all these things that have taken place. God says, I have done all these miraculous signs. And when you think about the things that we have discussed that God did to the nation of Egypt, the, the miracles that occurred, that's, that's something that should make us go, wow. Like, Look at the God we serve. Look at the power that he has. Look what he is capable of, both to bring destruction to those who are disobedient to him as well as to bring protection and deliverance to those who are. And God tells Moses, he said, look, I'm doing these things so that you can pass it on down the generations, essentially. And we see that repeated not only in Exodus a little further down in the next few chapters, but we see that throughout the Old Testament. And even this morning we saw that in, in 1 Corinthians, right? Because what is Paul doing? He's, he's doing the same thing that God was telling Moses here. He says, I'm doing these things so that the generations who come after you will be able to look back and see what I've done. Excuse me, I got my allergies acting up. And so what, what God is telling Moses here, he's saying, look, don't forget what's being done. That's the gist of what God is saying. Don't forget my power 
and how I've acted on, on the children of Israel's behalf. Verse 3. So Moses and Aaron went in to Pharaoh and told him, This is what Yahweh, the God of the Hebrews, says. How long will you refuse to humble yourself before me? Let my people go that they may worship me. Now that's, that's interesting language that's used there. That, that, that verse, the first part of that verse, really tells us exactly what Pharaoh's problem was. He, the first thing that he says there is, How long will you refuse to humble yourself before me? And that's the same problem that, that maybe some of us had. That was Pharaoh's real problem, is that he refused to humble himself before the Lord. Pharaoh was still trying to be the one in control and to be the one in power. The reason why he wouldn't let the people go is because he had no fear of the Lord. The reason why he wouldn't let the people go is because he was too proud and thought too much of his own power. But God points out the problem with Pharaoh's heart. God points out why Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and it was because he would not humble himself before the Lord. And guess what? The same is true for us. If we refuse to humble ourselves before the Lord, if we refuse uh, and we think too highly of ourselves, then we will be no better off than Pharaoh here. And God points out the problem. He says, you, need, you have not humbled yourself before me. Now this is a good verse for us to remember. This is a good time for us to take a step back and say, okay, am I guilty of the same thing? Are there things in my life that I need to put before the Lord and that I need to humble myself before Him and give these things to the Lord? Perhaps there are. But that was Pharaoh's downfall, and we don't want that to be our downfall. Verse 4, But if you refuse to let my people go, then tomorrow I will bring locusts into your territory. Now, he, he, he has time to think about this. It's not like God says, I'm sending the locusts. We've seen this a couple of times in a few of these plagues where God said, tomorrow. There's a period of time from when God is giving Pharaoh this instruction that Pharaoh has time to act wisely and do what is right in the Lord's sight. He says, if you don't do right by tomorrow, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to bring the locust into the land. Now, this, this was a big deal. Locusts are pretty ferocious, as we're going to see as we read on. Verse 5, they will cover the surface of the land so that no one will be able to see the land. They will eat the remainder left to you that escaped the hail. They will eat every tree you have growing in the fields. Then, excuse me, they will fill your houses, all your officials' houses, and the houses of all the Egyptians, something your fathers and ancestors never saw since the time they occupied the land until today. Then he turned and left Pharaoh's presence. So Moses spells it out for him. What's going to happen there? What's going to happen is, uh, or, or, or we may still be on, on the Lord. Uh, let's see. Uh, anyway, well, it spelled out for Pharaoh what's going to happen there. And that is the locusts are going to come and they're going to devour everything. Now, I don't know if you guys have ever did much studying on locusts or maybe you've seen something on the History Channel where there are huge swarms of locusts, but it's a big deal. Locusts, as, as small as they may be, and it, as simple as one little locust may be, when you get millions of locusts together, they cause much problem. Now, in case you've forgotten it, Egypt had already faced many problems because of what had happened. 
their land was probably already reeling from these things that took place. We don't know exactly how long of a time period it was that these things took place, but based on what we see in the Bible of that Moses was 80 when all this started taking place, and it tells us later on after this that he's still 80, we know that it had to have happened within at least at the most a one-year span probably within a few months' time. And so all of these things happened to Egypt relatively close together. And so you can imagine in all the stuff we've seen up until this point, they're, they're, they're still feeling the effects of that. And God says, look, whatever's left. Now the hail had just come. The hail had beaten everything down. And God says, whatever is left, guess what? The locusts are about to devour if you go home and you, and you got the internet, you can look on YouTube and find videos of locusts that come through places and just demolish them. And that's what God said it was about to happen to the people of Egypt. Let's go a little further. Verse 7. Pharaoh's officials asked him, How long must this man be a snare to us? Let the men go so that they may worship Yahweh their God. Don't you realize yet that Egypt is devastated? All right, so we've seen Pharaoh throughout this whole act. We know that the other people of Egypt have had to suffer what was going on here. And now we have the people of Egypt speaking up, saying, Pharaoh, what are you doing? Just let the people go. Don't you see what, what's happening? Every time these men come and talk to you, look at what happens. Their God does all these horrible things. Don't you see that our land is devastated? The people got it. The people knew that they were about to be in big trouble if more of these types of events kept ha happening. And they go to Pharaoh and say, Pharaoh, you've got to let the people go or else our land won't be able to take it. Our land won't be able to continue thriving. Let's read a little further in verse 8. So Moses and Aaron were brought back to Pharaoh. Go worship Yahweh your God, Pharaoh said. That's good news. So finally Pharaoh's wising up. But then listen to what he says after this. Go worship Yahweh your God, Pharaoh said. But exactly who will be going? Golly, Pharaoh, he just won't give everything to God. He wants to try to hold on to a little bit. He wants to try to kind of keep it his way. Now, do we ever do that? Do we ever want to hold just a little bit back? Now, who, who is supposed to be going? We know the answer to that. Everybody. The whole nation of Israel is supposed to be going. That is clear. God hadn't singled out or signified one person over another. He says, let my people go. All my people. Let them go so that they may worship me and so that they may sacrifice to me in the wilderness. And Pharaoh says, okay, I'll let them go. But now who exactly, who, who all do you want me to let go? Which, which portion of your people do you want me to let go? In verse 9, Moses replied, We will go with our young and our old. We will go with our sons and daughters and with our flocks and herds because we must hold Yahweh's festival. So Moses spells it out for him as clear as he can. We're taking everybody. God says, let all his people go. The oldest one to the youngest one, the, the babies, whoever it may be, God said, let them all go and let them take all their possessions with them. Let them take all their flocks with them. Now, that was probably for a couple of reasons. Maybe one, to help sustain them. But two, they had to have something to sacrifice to the Lord. So Moses says, God says, you've got to let us go and take all our stuff with us. Well, Pharaoh, he's, he's, he's not ready to go along with that. Verse 10. He said to them, May Yahweh be with you, if I ever let you and your families go, look out, you are planning evil. 
No, only the men may go and worship Yahweh, for that is what you have been asking for. And they were driven from Pharaoh's presence. Boy, Pharaoh is still pretty bold. After everything that has happened, he's saying that sarcastically. May God be with you if I ever let you go. He's not, he's not being serious there, I don't believe. I believe that Pharaoh is showing some sarcasm in that statement that he made. And he says, I'll let the men go because that's all you've ever been asking for. Now, I don't know where Pharaoh come up with that because I have not come to that conclusion in any of the things that Moses or the Lord has spoken to Pharaoh at this point because God has always said, let the people go. He's never said just the men. But somehow Pharaoh has said, I'll only let the men go. That's all I'm going to let go. If that ain't good enough for you, then forget it. I'm not going to let anybody go. Well, Pharaoh is doing this to his own harm as we're about to see. Verse 12. The Lord then said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the land of Egypt, and the locust will come up over it and eat every plant in the land, everything that the hail left. So Moses stretched out his staff over the land of Egypt, and the Lord sent an east wind over the land all that day and through the night. By morning the east wind had brought in the locust. The locust went up over the entire land of Egypt and settled on the whole territory of Egypt. Never before had there been such a large number of locusts, and there never will be again. So you can only imagine what this must have been like. You can watch those videos on YouTube, and I think the locust count runs into the billions. And I mean, you just can see them just everywhere. I mean, just overwhelming. And the Bible says this is the worst locust swarm that there has ever been. Can you imagine what that must have been like for the people? Can you imagine as they saw the, they, they felt that breeze blowing in, and all of a sudden you see this just probably black wad of, of locusts just coming in. And they've got to be saying, oh, brother, not again. They've done seen their water turn to blood. They've seen frogs. They've seen gnats. They've seen hail fall from the sky. All of these different things that have come into their, into their land and destroyed it. They've lost their livestock. I mean, what more can happen? And then, lo and behold, here is Pharaoh still being hard-hearted and stubborn. And here comes more devastation on the people of Egypt. Verse 15. They covered the surface of the whole land so that the land was black. And they consumed all the plants on the ground and all the fruit of the trees that the hail had left. Nothing green was left on the trees or the plants in the field throughout the land of Egypt. Pharaoh urgently sent for Moses and Aaron and said, I have sinned against Yahweh your God and against you. Please forgive my sin once more. And make an appeal to Yahweh your God so that he will take this death away from me. Moses left Pharaoh's presence and appealed to the Lord. Then the Lord changed the wind to a strong east wind and it carried off the locust and blew them into the Red Sea. Not a single locust was left in all the territory of Egypt. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he did not let the Israelites go. Same song, different verse. 
We have seen this time after time. Isn't it amazing how patient God was with Pharaoh? Well, we see at the beginning of this passage why God was. It was so that the Israelites could see God's miraculous works, so that they could remember what God had done. And here throughout all this, this huge swarm of locusts came and they devoured everything. Think about all the green that we see outside now when we walk out the door. You think of the grass that we see and the trees that we see. Could you imagine if in just a couple of days' time all that was gone, all that was disappeared, all that was devoured because locusts came in and ate it? That's hard for us to even fathom to think that, boy, all that could be gone in just a few days, but that's exactly what happened in the land of Egypt. Well, we don't know exactly how long it is, but I I like to think it was probably not very long. Because when God does something, He does it right. When God, when, when God brings His wrath, it's going to be right. When God gives His grace, it's going to be right. God doesn't have do anything. He does it right all the way. And you can imagine what this must have been like. And Pharaoh calls for the appeal of the Lord. Please, Moses, please go to God on my behalf. I'm sorry. Please forgive me of my wrongdoing. But he didn't mean it in his heart. He said the words with his mouth, but he still had not humbled himself before the Lord. And we got to get that. Because sometimes we may be guilty, or I'll speak for myself, sometimes I'm guilty of saying the right things with my mouth, but not meaning and doing the right things or thinking the right things in my heart. And that's exactly what the problem with Pharaoh was. And we see what it got him. It got him a hard heart that didn't listen to the Lord. But God was so good. And God listened to the appeal, to the plea that Moses made on, on Pharaoh's behalf. And just as that wind blew in, all those locusts that brought devastation to the land, when God cleaned it up, he, he blew in the wind from the west and blew all the locusts out, and not a single one was left. Well, that's good stuff right there. Not a single locust was left. There were probably billions upon billions of locusts in that land. And when God cleaned it up, not a single one was left. Now that's a good illustration of what our life is like. The more that we refuse to listen to the Lord, the the more disobedient we are to God, it's like plagues moving into our life. That's what sin does. And sin makes things a little worse and a little worse and a little worse. And that sin keeps coming. And just as the locust destroyed everything, so sin will our lives. If we continue to live in sin, eventually sin will come in and sin will destroy everything that is in us. But you know what's good? Is that we have a God that is so good that when we call out to Him, if we mean it and humbly seek Him, that He will clean us up and He will cast our sins away. And just as He removed every locust from this land, God will remove every sin from our heart when we come to Him and accept Jesus Christ and ask for forgiveness. That's good stuff right there. That is good stuff that we have a God that don't even leave. He don't leave just little dirt. He cleans it all up. He don't just sweep it under the rug. That's what I do. That's what I do. I can say this because Michelle's not here. Now when she cleans, she cleans so good. And when she cleans, she lifts the rug and she sweeps stuff out from under the rug. But when I clean, I hit the high points. I get the stuff you can see. And if there's a little piece still there, I lift up the rug and I sweep it under the rug. Because And I clean pretty good. I, I can say that because she's not here. She would disagree. And I feel like I clean pretty good, but I don't really do a good scrubbing. You still might find some dirt in the house after I've cleaned up. But when she cleans up, she got to move the rug. We got to twist it. We got to do this. We got to vacuum. We got to wipe the walls. We got to clean this. We got to clean that. And I'm thinking, 
Who's ever going to see it? She'll be on her hands and knees and she'll scrub every bit of dirt. And that's what God does. God takes all of that sin that's in our life and He don't leave a speck of it. Sometimes we want to say, oh, I can just sweep this little sin under the rug and it'll be okay. But when God comes in, He takes every little smidgen of sin, there's not one bit left, and He casts that out when we come to Him and we accept Jesus Christ and we ask for His forgiveness. And Pharaoh had every opportunity to humble himself so that God would deliver him and not bring any more plagues upon him, so that sin wouldn't have any more effect on his life. But Pharaoh missed it. And we're going to see that. Obviously, there's still more plagues to come. Pharaoh missed it. Let us not be those who miss God's love and forgiveness. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you tonight, and I thank you for this good crowd that's here, and I thank you for these good words. And God, I needed to hear them, and I pray that you just would time to my heart, that you would just convict me of them, that you would, dear Lord, just forgive me for, for the so many areas where I fail. And I pray that you be with this, this group. Maybe there are some others that these words spoke to. God, maybe there are some more of us that, that we just need our hearts cleaned out. I pray that you do a deep cleaning on us, dear Lord, that you reach down in those deep, dark spots, God, that you shine the light of Jesus Christ in those to, to make that sin disappear. And I pray that you bless each one, give them a good night's rest, and get them home safe. In Jesus' name I pray it. Amen.